Oh, amen. Let's give applause for the Lord Jesus Christ. Enjoyed the worship this morning. Turn your Bibles over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And uh, if uh, you're new here this morning, so uh, welcome to Springboro Baptist Church. And, and if you're watching online, we welcome you as well. And uh, my name's Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And uh, so glad that you are here. And uh, as we celebrate Jesus Christ together and his birth, and uh, we will start right in verse 1. <clears throat> and it reads, And it came to pass in the days a degree would go out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. See, they love, the government loved taxes then. They love taxes now. This census first took place with Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up to Galilee, out of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house of lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray. Father, we come before your throne thankful, thankful that we get to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the birth of Christ, that God came and dwelt among us, that you didn't have to, but you did. You did out of love and care for us. And so why do we celebrate Christmas? I pray that we're reminded of the reason for the season, uh, that we're reminded of the peace that we can find in Christ that we're reminded of the joy and the gifts in which you've given us and all the different things in this world that we try to find that will satisfy um, these different longings in our hearts that at the end of the day, only you truly can satisfy. And I pray that this Christmas season that we'll make room for Jesus. We'll make room for Jesus today. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, um, having grown up in this area, um, uh, you have all experienced, if you live here a certain amount of time, you've experienced some, some bad snowstorms. Even worse are some of the ice storms that can come. And... Not just any snowstorm, but don't, don't you kind of, I, I know my wife, she missed the anticipation of the big snowstorm. Like, uh, of, it, it reminded me a little bit of when we experienced our first hurricane that was coming our way when we lived in Florence, South Carolina. Ironically, Florence the hurricane hit Florence, South Carolina. It was like, it was named Weeks beforehand, I'm like, that thing's coming for us. And sure enough, it did. But the anticipation of that hurricane reminded me a little bit of minus, you know, the death and destruction that a snowstorm usually brings, a uh, hurricane brings. But, but, but I remember on a date specifically, um, my wife and I had been married for about two years. 
And we just had our beautiful daughter, Gracie. Her birthday's December 2nd. And so, of course, Christmas coming around the corner. I think it was around December 21st, 22nd. A huge, huge, abnormal snowstorm swept through our area. We were living in Waverly, uh, Ohio at that time. And we were determined to get to Arkansas. Now, my wife originally is from Arkansas, around the Fort Smith area, and we're going to travel 13 or so hours to go to Arkansas and get there and celebrate Christmas with our brand new, fresh out of the oven daughter. She's three weeks old, and this huge monster snowstorm comes. Now, I know it was different, and also it hit a ton of ice everywhere, but weirdly enough, in Waverly, it's slightly elevated. We only got rain. And I thought, it's not that bad. And there's like, I think level two is like you can travel, but you got to be careful. Or level three is like, if you're out here, we're going to kill you for being on the road. Something like that. I don't, I don't remember all the different levels, but we were young and didn't care. So we're like, we're going to go. It's only rain here. It'll be fine until we end up going down this, I think it's Unity Hill out there in West Union, and it's nothing but ice, but we make it. And I go to my parents, stop by to get something from their house, and they live on a one-lane road, and there are tree limbs down everywhere from the ice. And we're like, oh, this should have been a sign not to go, but we did. So this 12, 13-hour trip, long story short, turned into a 22, 23-hour trip. It was long with a little one. And if you know what that means, that equals torture. <laughs> For those of you who have toddlers, um, you, know, uh, you know what I'm talking about when you're traveling, especially a long distance, going to see family. And I've said this before, like, I think the best day we could ever have here on earth is a little glimpse of what heaven's like and the worst day we could ever have or having a toddler on a long trip in a car seat for 10 hours that's the closest you get to hell right there but as we were traveling and there's ice everywhere we were determined we're just going to go south surely it will get better and it did but it took a long time it took a long time and uh to get there and and we determined about halfway through our trip I mean, 12, 13 hours in, we, we need to get a motel, hotel, something. And every place we stopped was full. And I'm like, this gives me a little bit of a glimpse of what Mary and Joseph went through as they're stopping looking for a place, minus having a pregnant wife. And they're looking, and they're wondering, and in their first child, that first child that you have, you just don't know what you don't know and what you're getting into. And I remember when Gracie came, I thought, if I move her, will I break her? Like if putting her, you know, little clothes on or little arms. She loves this when I do this. And uh, she's 19 now. So, but, but, when, but when they're so little and, and you're wondering, what do, I, what do I do with this little one, this little it's a little baby, and you're having it in a, in a, basically a barn with the animals. Now, in Jesus' day, 
it wasn't uncommon for the typical house to be about, it would, it would have a flat roof. It could be made out of, you know, hay and, and, and stuff that was slopped together, but, but normally it would be about 15 feet high total. And on the upper part, the upper part, the second story would be where the family would live. And it was common that on the first floor is where you would have your animals. Can you imagine that? You'd have your goats, your chickens. So if you wanted fresh eggs, just kind of bend over down off the other story and grab you an egg. And, and, and I'm sure the smell wasn't great, right? And, 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 but that's, that was common. That was common in Jesus' day. And this was not that exact situation. All these homes and the area downstairs could be used for guests. But this is not what we see in Jesus' case with Mary and Joseph. We see that they are going to Bethlehem because they are ordered to do so, because they need to pay their taxes, and they travel. Now, what's interesting enough is that we know Mary was pregnant. We know they traveled quite the way ways. And, and what's so interesting is according to tradition, Mary rode on a donkey. According to tradition. Many think she probably walked that distance. So let's say she didn't ride a donkey. And she walks. And Joseph's like, honey, I have just a place for you. I know someone, a distant family relative, but they get there and everything is full. Can you imagine the look Mary gave Joseph? <laughs> However they got there, they get there and there is no room for them anywhere. There's no room for the inn. Some, when it comes to the inn being mentioned, um, there's different views of what that would have looked like, that maybe it wasn't quite the end. Maybe it was just kind of an area in which they would put travelers. That was a little bit larger than normal. Nonetheless, there was no room for them. There was no room for them. And God had let his people know that eventually, and as you go throughout Scripture, the Old Testament... And we, we tackled this some last week, but Micah 5, 2, speaking of which Bethlehem, there's two Bethlehems now in Israel, there's two Bethlehems back then, of which Bethlehem the Messiah would be born in, and no one was ready. They had no room. They weren't set. They weren't looking. And they missed it. They missed it. No vacancy. Occupied. God coming to earth. God with us, and there's no room for him. Now, from a business standpoint, the innkeeper, he really missed a golden opportunity. He really kind of blew it from a business standpoint. He could have had a sign out there, Son of God, born here. Son of God, stay where he slept for only $1.50 a night. Of course, probably now it's probably closer to $2.50 a night. I don't know. And, and so we see throughout Scripture all kinds of different predictions. We see that this birth was so impactful that uh, some 
point in time, they go, you know what, it's it, it split time. You have an AD, you have a BC. And, uh, and, and so it was so impactful that, that, I mean, wise men came from afar. There was something telling them, letting them know that, that, in which they had followed, and, and they, they wanted to see what, what this was all about. Even the wise men, as they were studying scriptures, they show up, they seen King Herod, and King Herod goes, well, haven't I heard about this? I had to ask his religious teachers of that day of, of what, are the, what, what are these wise men even talking about? And it gives you that idea, a little bit of a glimpse of the religious leadership of that day not being prepared, not looking, not, there's no anticipation for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords of God with us, of God coming down and being with them. They missed it. They missed it. So before we get too harsh on the innkeeper, the fact is, is we do this all the time. You do it. I do it. Our culture does it. We don't make room for Jesus. In fact, in fact, we, we push him away. In 1963, we took prayer out of our schools. It was a way to go, you know what? We don't want to mix. We want to have separation of church and state. Now, I get where some might come, come from when it comes to separation in church and state, or the, cha- the church shouldn't govern the, the state. I'm not necessarily against that. But for something that so many think is in our Constitution, it's not in our Constitution, by the way. It's taken off a letter that Jefferson had, had, had wrote. Um, that's not in our Constitution. And, and what you do see more and more in our society is you see the state trying to control the church, is what you really see. And by taking out anything about God whatsoever to our children, when you end up doing that, you're going to replace it with something. You're going to replace it with something. And so we've replaced it with evolution, with secularism. We've replaced with humanism. And we are now starting to even see more and more the fruits of doing so. Of be your own God. That's all about you. You see, I'll just let you know, the way our country is set up only works with a Christian basis. It doesn't work another way. So what are you saying, preacher? Like, it's going to get better? Well, probably not. It probably won't get better regardless of who is in office, whether one wants to point to someone who's a Republican or Democrat or Independent or this or that or the other. As we move further away and we make less and less room for the Lord, we make less room or no room for Jesus, we'll continue to get the same result. That's what we'll get that's what we'll get. You know, it's been said that we have we've replaced, so come all ye faithful with come all ye partiers. And that really, the Christmas time has become more of just a focus on parties. Now, I'm not knocking like parties in general, Christmas parties. I mean, we all had Christmas parties 
this weekend, yesterday here at the church, and way to have fellowship and get together and have fun. Nothing wrong with, uh, nothing wrong with that. But what is sad is that there are many, many adults, I'm not talking just children, but there are many adults who do not know the Christmas story. Not just here in the Midwest, but even in the South. The Bible Belt, where I came from. I mean, the South, South Carolina. There was one friend I know, he's about my, my age. He did not grow up in church. He was around church, not that he never went, but he wasn't, never went consistently. And it was until his mid-30s married to a Christian girl and started having a family that he truly, for the first time, hear the Christmas story. This is not an ignorant man. This is a man who, he owns his own business. He's done very well. And it just boggles my mind of how many people do not know the Christmas story. But man, do they know all about the other traditions, some and folklore and legendary of from Santa and the reindeer and so on. And how many, how many children know all about Santa Claus, but they know little about the birth of Christ. They know little. They know little. And while I'm not here to go on a rant about Santa Claus, all right, that's not, that's not my goal. Um, how many of us in our families are teaching our children so much about Santa and some of the other things that come with it, some of the, the we take Santa and just the, the, the song and the, and, and the mentioning of him, of he knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows when you've been bad or good for goodness sake, like he knows everything about you, these godlike these godlike characteristics. And what I'm afraid of is that we are planting some of this into our children's heads and teaching them in a way, now hear me out, teaching them in a way something of, of almost making a false god, a, a small letter G-O-D, instead of focusing truly on the reason for the season. Now I'll give you my two cents, all right? is that in our household, we just didn't talk about it. We focused on Jesus. We read the Christmas story on Christmas morning. And um, listen, when it comes to presents, um, my name and my wife's name, mom and dad, are on there. I'm not giving credit to anybody else. It's just me. <laughs> See, she thought it was funny. And what we've always told our kids growing up, and maybe we'll get into more details here in the next week or two, but there was a man named St. Nick. There was some things that we do um, out of the spirit of giving. He was a bishop. He was a Christian. If you even go back and read the story about St. Nick, he got in a heated argument at, I think it was the Council of Nicaea or Carthage, with a heretic denying the Trinity, and he slapped him in the face. That's what happened. And so bringing this back in, 
when we end up making a big deal about everything else besides Jesus and the time for Christmas, we have no room for him. And that's what I'm saying at the end of the day. At the end of the day, when it comes to your family, as men and ladies, as you are leading your families, what are you truly making a big deal out of? And listen, if Santa Claus is a bigger deal than the Christmas story, you have it backwards, is what I'm trying to say. You have it backwards. Amen, preacher. You're making a big deal over something that is a folklore and something that is not, you know what it is. I have kids in here, so I want to be a little careful, right? I don't, you do your parenting thing, I'm not here to override that. I'm not saying that we're denying that. And that's what I've told my kids, like, hey, there once was a man that, we do it in the spirit of that. It's something fun that people just do. That's what I leave it at, and that is it. And you can ask all three of my children, have I ever told you anything different? Have I ever said that that was something that was going on? I'm trying to be careful in my way I'm wording something here this morning. And every one of them said, no, Dad, you never told us that was true. You never, you know, made a big deal about that. And that's what I'm trying to say here this morning. And listen, I'm, being, I'm a little old school in some ways. I, I was raised a little old school. I, I, I like some of that, all right? I like some of the newer stuff too, okay? Um, I mean, in the church I grew up in, if I were to wear this, they probably would have kicked me out, all right? So I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, I'll say this and I'll move on. I mean, I, it drives me a little crazy when some churches have a Santa in their church. Not that they look like Santa. We love you if you look like Santa, all right? But I'm not pointing at anybody. What are you talking about? In the back left, center. Anyway. Love that guy. I'm just saying it takes the attention off the reason for this season, and we have less room, less room for what Christmas truly is about. We need to make a bigger deal about him than anyone else. So why do we not have room for Jesus today? Well, we, we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention. See, we don't pay attention, and, and, and we're not even at times aware when Jesus shows up. And there's opportunities around us that God gives us. And there's times in which Jesus shows up in our life and, and you don't see him. And it's because we're so busy doing other things. We're not paying attention. We're just going through, going through life. It's almost like you're not paying attention and maybe you're at a restaurant and you're not really looking at the people who are already sitting, seated and you're going to go get a, get a seat and the waiter's leading you and you go right by maybe your best friend, but you're not really paying attention. They go, oh, hey, Lucas. Oh, yeah, you're there. Sometimes we're just not paying attention. And just like radio waves and TV waves and Wi-Fi signals are real, and we can't see them, and they're through the air right now. Right now, even though we can't see them, they're going through your body. They're around. We need a tuner to tune in. We need, we need, to, we, we need to be able to see what's going on. And as a believer as a christian we're not always paying attention luke 
24, 16, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, Jesus is resurrected. And, and he's walking, he walking with his, two of his, his disciples for seven miles until they recognize him. The woman at the well in John 4 didn't realize who was in front of her. It was God in the flesh there, right there, that she was getting water for. She did not recognize who Jesus was. And we don't always recognize Jesus' presence in our lives. But he's there. He's there. And many miss it. Years ago, my wife had someone come in. remember her telling me this story. That um, she had an older gentleman come in, and he told them, Merry Christmas. And he wanted to make it very well known for whatever reason. He says, I, I say Merry Christmas, not Happy Holidays. I'm an atheist, but I make sure I say Merry Christmas. I don't like saying Happy Holidays. And I think, man, I, I appreciate that, but you're an atheist, and that's a big deal to you. It seems you're missing it. It's right there in front of you. The reason for the season. And people out in the mall or out doing their shopping, their last-minute Christmas shopping, or they're in the grocery store pushing the cart around, and, and they hear the different Christmas songs that come, that come over the radio. Hark the herald, the angels sing, away in a manger. O come, all ye faithful. And they hear some of the beautiful Christmas songs. And it's like, it's like the Lord is reaching out to them, they're just not seeing it. They're not always tuned into it. And they're missing out. They're missing out. They're not paying attention. The other reason many do not have room for Jesus is simply they crowd their lives with other things. Have you ever noticed how easily stuff accumulates? Especially toys. If you have children, it's like toys. They, they, they have other toys for children, and like they just keep on going. Like, where all these toys come from? It comes a point in time, I, I, I know at our other house, before we, we saw it, we're like, where, what do we do with all these toys? We don't need these toys. And eventually, like, to family members, you tell them, please don't get our kids toys. Like, get them something else, um, or get something for me instead. Like, just <laughs> don't get them any more toys. It, it, it just easily happens and it happens to you too uh, let me ask you this if you're willing to be honest in church how many of you right now can actually park in your garage you can park in your garage okay maybe 20 percent of you 20 percent of you maybe so i rest my case I rest my case. The rest of you, eh, you're probably liars. I, I'm just, I say that in jest. I say that in jest. The fact is, garages are made for cars. They're not made for storing our stuff, unless you have a huge garage. We have so much stuff. We have so much stuff. And the problem, the problem so many have, that just as the innkeeper, just as many in Bethlehem had no room for Jesus, we could easily crowd our lives with too much stuff. Too much things going on. And there may just be some good things. They're not bad with and of themselves. There may be some good things you need to cut out of your life to make room for Jesus. To experience the better life. To experience all that he has for you. And no doubt, some of you right in here, you hate to say no. 
Like you hate to disappoint people, so you say yes to everything and you end up running yourself ragged. My wife, I'm the opposite. I'll just say no. My wife's like, she has a hard time saying, saying no to people. She wants to say yes and yes. And, um, and so maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's why you're so tired and stressed. That there's so much going on in your life. There's no room for margin. Notice what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 says. It says that people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And some translations will say spiritually discerned. Now, I want to clarify, there are many people who go, well, I'm just spiritual. I believe in all kinds of different spirits. I go to seances. I'm spiritual. This is not what that verse is in reference to. It's dealing and talking with people who are born-again believers, Christ followers, whose God's Spirit is living inside of you and is with you. And if you don't have that, if you've not submitted to that and given your life to Christ, there's some things you simply will not get. You will not understand. Because it's not a how smart you are issue. It's not an intelligence issue. It's something that's spiritual, something inside here. And you can't understand it. You can't understand what the Spirit means. You won't quite get it. And until you make room for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, there's some things you're never truly going to get. In fact, I would say this. You're truly never really going to see the beauty of Christmas until you come to know Christ the King. Until the Spirit of God is living inside of you. And now you get to know Him as He leads you, as He guides you. And when you've overbooked your life, man, when you have no place for the king of kings, you have no space, and you need help. And he's, he came to die. He came to help you. He came to forgive you. He came with you in mind. Did you know that God, he wants to give you gifts? He does. Now, this is not a name it, claim it, like point part of the message, all right? Part of prayer when we pray, is confessing sin, praising God. But a part of prayer is asking God. A part of prayer is asking for needs. But just as an earthly father loves to buy gifts and give gifts to his own children, our heavenly father loves to do the same. He does. He loves to give us gifts. And so some of these gifts are their relational gifts, the relational gifts, their emotional gifts, spiritual gifts, financial gifts, health gifts. I mean, the older you get, you realize if you have health, you have wealth. It's true. There's career gifts. There's so many things that God gives us that, that help us so much that are just deeper than just something financial. So before you were born, God had planned your life. He made you for a purpose. He has never made anything without a purpose. I want to remind you of that here this morning. He's never made a single person. Every one of you right now. He made you for a purpose. You're not a mistake. You're here. You may have been a surprise to your parents. 
right? Like, oh, we weren't planning on having a, this last kid. And boom, there you were. Congratulations. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for trying to make me feel um, better by saying it that way. But basically you said, yeah, I wasn't planned. Thanks a lot. But you were planned by God. You were planned by Him. And that's all that matters. Think about this. The first person to recognize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was John the Baptist. And he wasn't even born yet. Huh. Some wonder if babies are real people inside there. And yet the first one to recognize the gospel was a baby. Interesting. But you see, God is not going to force you to follow his plan. Though he is sovereign, in his sovereignty, he's given us free will. And he's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to do what is right. He's not going to force you to do so. He may make your life uncomfortable. There may be times in which you may wonder what's going on. But, but he's not going to force you to follow his plan. And so when we end up deciding to be our own God, do our own thing, and really when you say, I'm going to do my own thing, I'm not going to consider what God has for me, what you're really saying is, I'm my own God, I'm my own person, I'm not interested in what God has to say, therefore I'm going to do my own thing, my own way, and forget what God has for me. I'm going to call my own shots. How's that turning out? It might turn out fine for a while. It may be great. It may be what you want to do, and you're happy in that moment in time. But as time goes on, you start to realize that as you accumulate everything you could possibly want here on this earth, how little, how little, and it may bring you some temporary happiness, you realize there's still a void. There's still something Something you're missing. And maybe you're uncertain of what it is. And maybe as you go your own lives, what we see usually ends up turning out that as you go your own way instead of God's way, you end up seeing a trail of broken lives, broken relationships, broken health, broken dreams. And you end up hitting yourself up against a dead-end wall over and over again, banging your head against the wall, and you end, up, you end up getting to a point where you're wondering, what am I supposed to do? Maybe you're younger here this morning. I want to mention this, that I've noticed looking back, and I know some look at me and go, man, you're old, and there's some of you look at me and go, wow, you're, you're so young. I'm just like right there in the middle. But, and I think most of you would agree with me that when you look back at people maybe you went to high school with or people that you know that were young, and you take the people who consistently smoke, drink, and partied hard, how hard and quickly they age. Am I wrong? I mean, if I'm wrong, maybe there's some exceptions to the rule. But in general, in general, you're smoking and you're drinking and you're partying hard. Like, man, you tend not to age well but as you live for jesus as you're focused on him 
You're doing what is right. It's interesting. It's interesting as you get older, and by and large, I've noticed this, I'm living in different parts of the country, okay? By and large, painting with a broad brush, I've noticed Christian people tend to be healthier people. Why? Because not just healthy uh, physically by some of the things that they do, but also just healthy spiritually, healthier in their marriages. If you and your wife both go to church and you are faithful and you attend faithfully and you're involved, the divorce rate does this. It doesn't mean no one else ever gets divorced. There's never any problems. I'm not saying that. But it, it nosedives. It does. It is. And I've noticed this, man, that, that when you don't have some of those things in your life, you don't age as quickly. What I'm trying to say is Christian people are better looking, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you see, we think we don't need to make room for him. That's what ultimately what happens. We think, I have it all figured out. I have my money figured out. I have my career figured out. I have my relationships figured out. And as long as we have everything figured out in the way that we want and everything's going good, we make no room for him. And we think, why would I want to make room? Life's pretty good. But as, as life happens and problems come, and they will, Jesus said they would happen. They would happen to good people as well. And a Christian life isn't a lack of problems. A Christian life, I mean, we all eventually will have some health issues. Absolutely. We all run into to something. But then who do we run to? And because we have Christ, we make room for him. It changes how we look at this life and our purpose. Psalms 10 says that in the Bible that people are too proud to seek God. They don't look for him. And there's no room for God even in their thoughts. Why? Because they're so focused on themselves. They've made themselves their own God. So some people, some people, and many people do do this. Some people, their God is their career. Some people, their God is their hobby. Some people, their God is their family. Some people make money their God, whatever. Whatever is first place in your thoughts that you focus in on the most is going to be your God, is going to be your idol. And the truth is, because, because we're human, we are bent towards sin, we will do that. But as we stay focused on Jesus, we stay focused on him, and we see our purpose in Christ, and we stay connected we can experience the goodness of God, even in difficult times. You see, some people, their peace comes from their circumstance. As long as they have a good job, man, they have peace and life's great. They lose a job, life's not so great. They have health, man, life's great. They have peace, they're good. They have having a health issue, life's terrible. They have no peace. It's, it's all about their circumstance. We see in Christ, 
it changes how we look at our circumstances. In Christ, the joy and the happiness and the peace we truly end up having, not the kind of peace that the world gives, but the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace, is regardless of what situation I find myself in, I can have peace. Even when health, my health is bad, I have peace because of who Christ is. Even if you have a family situation that's horrible and terrible or a, just a horrible day or a horrible situation, because of who Christ is, we can have peace. You know, we all have had that time in, in our lives where our power suddenly goes out. Maybe it was from a bad storm. Maybe it was a snowstorm. Maybe it was a lightning storm. And the power is out. The microwave no longer will work. The toaster will no longer work. The coffee maker will no longer work. Until you have power again, nothing is going to work. You probably have watched some of those, you know, sci-fi shows where the power goes out across the world and people, you know, start to trying to figure out how are they going to eat, how are they going to cook, how are they going to do this, how are they going to do that. And all those appliances that cost so much at one point in time, that look so good, so awesome, they're useless with no power. Then why should we make room for Jesus? I'll wrap this up. To know my Creator and Savior who loves me. He loves you. He made me. He saved me. So I need to know that, that, that he loves me. He truly does love you. He really does. You may not love you. You may think no one else loves you, but God loves you. If I were to introduce to you some well-known athlete or some well-known coach that you love, and uh, if I were to say, hey, I'm going to introduce you to a former president, that you end up meeting two or three different presidents, really, at the end of the day, no big deal, no big deal. But if I were to say, let me introduce you to God, uh, let me have you meet my friend Jesus, that's really, that's really a huge deal. That's really a huge deal. And there are many people in which you can meet. And maybe you need it first. But this kind of friend, this Jesus in which you can meet, he will love you, he will change you, he will stick with you through the thick and the thin, and he'll never leave you. John chapter 1, verse 1, tells us this. In the beginning... We can put the Bible verse. There we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and then skipping over to verse 14, and the Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, he has always been alive. He didn't start in Bethlehem. He didn't start in Bethlehem. He was even before. Who was Jesus before he was born? Well, he was God. That's who he was. He was just as part of the Trinity before he, the incarnation. And he always will be God. Always has, always will be. So he, was cre he created everything. 
That includes you. That includes me. Nothing exists that he didn't make. He made it all, so he owns it all. Eternal life is in him. we go to enjoy a life of purpose peace and power i've been walking with the lord for 37 years and god is faithful he is faithful have i had problems yes have there been times where i felt like no one believed in me but my mother, yes. Thank you, mothers. There's been times in which I had no money. Absolutely. Was there times in which I was uncertain about what the future held? Yeah. But in Christ, as you follow him, he'll give you purpose. He'll give you direction in time. And some of you right now, you're looking just for that. You're wondering, what is my purpose? What is my direction? You've tried a lot of other things. And some of those may not be bad within of themselves. But man, does it really give you purpose and direction? No. It just leaves you void, wondering what is next. What is the next thrill? You see, the Prince of Peace, he came to give us peace. And the peace what the world tries to offer, it's not true peace. It's not true peace. You always, you always wonder when they try to talk about peace, what are they really up to? What's really going on? And the kind of peace that he offers isn't what the world offers. In fact, there's been around 60-something peace treaties in the last 300 years. Almost every one of those, <laughs> every one of those promises were not kept. So I'll end with this. Around 2019, there was a winner that held the ticket in the Arizona State Lottery. They had won almost $15 million. But here's the problem. They never turned it in. After 180 days, and that's the limit, they never turned in the ticket now, maybe they were ignorant about it. I'm sure that was probably the case, that maybe they threw it away. Maybe they end up getting lost uh, you know, underneath their seat, and they'll find it years later thinking, oh, okay, this was the winning ticket, and they missed out. You get this one life. You get this one time, this one opportunity to live this life and the gift that has been given to you as you've heard the different Christmas songs, as maybe you've sung them even yourself, you're missing out. Maybe you're missing out and you've never repented of your sins. You've never given your life and put your faith and belief and trust in Jesus Christ. And there's going to come a common point in time in your life where you will put your head on the pillow for the very last time. And that'll be it.
There's no do-overs. There's no second chances. And it's worse than having a lottery ticket for $15 million and not being able to find it. So God, what will you do with him? Will you make room for the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as the music starts to play, Father, we come to you in prayer, thankful that you came and dwelt among us. God, as we had this time of reflection, as we had this moment, we ask ourselves, are we making room for Jesus? Are we so busy in this life, so focused on ourselves that we're truly forgetting the reason for the season? That we're missing out on our purpose and our calling? Father, I pray that there's someone here watching or here in person that they've never given their life to Christ. They're uncertain if heaven would be their future home if they were to pass away this week. My friend, I want you to know, you can know for sure, that anyone who will come to God, who will repent of their sins, and put their faith and belief and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, he will save and he will change. Now, you may not have, you may not have your life together, but thankfully we have a savior that he's the one who puts it all together. God, we love you, we praise you in the precious name of Jesus we pray, amen.